You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 190, In the Middle of It with Amy Kelly. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. If you're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hello, Mama. Welcome back to the podcast, episode 190. We can officially start the countdown to episode 200 now. Amazing. So as you know, I like to bring on guests every 10th episode, and today I interview Amy Kelly, who is the creator and host of the In the Middle of It podcast, where she provides fresh ideas, strategies, and resources for middle school teachers and parents. Amy is a mom, a writer, a former eighth grade teacher, and a voracious reader dedicated to supporting those on the front lines with teens. Amy currently lives in the Dallas area. When she's not working on her podcast, you can find her listening to you 2 watching Gilmore Girls for the millionth time, or hanging out on the patio with her husband and two teens. Unless she's hiding so she can finish that young adult novel she's reading, then you'll never find her. Luckily, I was able to pull Amy away from her novel for this interview. We talk about managing expectations of what's developmentally appropriate, the biggest challenges for both parents of middle schoolers and middle school kids themselves. We talk about great ways to connect with middle schoolers, the biggest mistakes parents of middle schoolers make, how to repair the relationship after you mess up, and so much more. So with that, please enjoy my interview with Amy Kelly. Hi, Amy Kelly. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me, Pam. Well, I'm excited that you're here. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do, maybe about your family. Sure, sure. So um, I, again, am Amy Kelly, and I have a podcast called In the Middle of It, where I focus mainly on um, middle schoolers and helping parents and teachers of middle schoolers connect with them in a variety of ways. One of my favorite of which is through reading, through young adult literature, which is my absolute favorite. And The way that I got here, basically, is I actually taught middle school before I had my own kiddos, and that was super fun, and I don't think I realized until after I had my own kids how different it is, those two experiences, Um, teaching middle schoolers versus parenting middle schoolers, and they're the same. It's just a difference. It's just a different level, obviously, of of how much they'll listen to you and how much they're pushing back developmentally appropriately as a parent. And I just, for me, and hopefully you can tell from the way that I'm talking about it, I'm just super passionate about that age group. So anybody who's working with them, however I can help support, equip, um, encourage, um, make them laugh with, especially <laughs> when it gets a little hairy because it does sometimes because developmentally appropriate does not always mean fun and often means probably uncomfortable or frustrating, you know, that kind of thing. So, so anyway, I have um, two kids of my own. I have a son who's 20, who's in college, and then a daughter who's 18, who is about to graduate high school. So, 
so yeah, that, and we're in um, the North Dallas area. Okay. So first of all, I love the title of your podcast because I am in the middle of it right now. (laughs) I have a 12 year old who's in seventh grade and then my older is uh, 16. She's in 10th grade. So, so this will be very relevant to me. And I hope that even if um, my, you know, my listeners have younger kids that this will help them prepare for when their kids are in middle school. And then obviously I'm sure I have um, lots of moms who listen, whose kids are currently in middle school. So absolutely, um, you've mentioned a couple of times developmental appropriateness. Can you, can let's start there. Can you tell us what's going on for middle schools? First of all, like what age group are we talking specifically? Like 11 to 14, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. For so, and it, and I know that middle school varies it, depending on where you are. For instance, when I taught school, my husband and I were living in Northern Virginia. So their middle school was seventh grade and eighth grade. So like 12 to 14 ish. Um, here in Texas, my kids started middle school um, during sixth grade, which again was 11, probably. So 11 to 14. So yeah, so kind yeah. of that tween teen crossover. And I'm sure having kids that are yours, your the age that yours are, um, there is a huge difference between an 11 year old and a 14 year old. Oh, and yeah. So, right. Definitely. And so yeah. the way that I can best show develop what's developmentally appropriate or the kind of development that happens with a middle schooler is if you think about a baby and you think about a, a newborn baby, like one day old, and you look at that child at on that day, and then you look at them on their third birthday and you think about mm-hmm. the changes that have happened in their brains and the changes that have happened with them physically and emotionally and all of the things that they can understand and do and that kind of cataclysmic change is exactly what's happening with our kids as they walk through puberty, which hits mm-hmm. at different times. So in the same way that there are milestones for babies that don't always happen at exactly the same age, you know, whether it's walking or talking or smiling or, you know, whatever you want to lay out there, it's going to happen at different times because kids are, of course, unique and individual and all that kind of good stuff. So so really um, emphasizing to parents and teachers that the things that are going on within a middle schooler are drastic and it's easy to forget it because they look and sound grown up in a lot of ways. And then, uh, of course, they act and look and sound childish in a lot of ways, too. And there's a reason for that. And for developmental appropriateness, we want our kids to go through this process of separating from us because it's going to make them healthy adults later on. Yeah, I don't know if you know that I was a, a school counselor for several years and I oh, was no. for kindergarten through eighth grade. So I, I dealt oh. with lots of middle schoolers too. So I'm like, my brain is just like going to all these different places right now. Oh, but. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yes. Okay. So they're going through puberty, their their bodies are changing, their brains are changing. What are you seeing or have you seen as the most challenging aspect both for, okay so i want you to answer like but the most challenging part for kids but then okay. also the most challenging part for parents okay so i would say i'm going to start with parents first okay okay mm-hmm. because this is the thing i think 
people are drawn to what I do because they want to know how to fix their kids sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. But the big secret is it's not about your kids as much as it is about managing yourself. Okay. Stop. Does everybody hear this? (laughs) What I've been saying (laughs) for the past 189 episodes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Excellent. Okay. So tell us more. Okay. So it's about managing our expectations. That's where understanding what's developmentally appropriate is super helpful. It's about managing how we respond to anything that might trigger us. Um, It's about really being able to identify those areas where maybe we, um, again, have unrealistic expectations, or maybe we're projecting something onto our kids rather than seeing them for who they are versus who we'd like for them to be, or or maybe how we see ourselves, if if that makes sense. And right. And so then for our kids, I would say all the things that are developmentally appropriate that they're walking through, it's all hard because they are really trying. It's their first, well, I I don't want to say it's their first attempt at kind of separating because I think that starts from the moment they're born, obviously, but But for middle schoolers, it's not just about separating physically. It's about thinking forward and really trying to become their own people in terms of values and in terms of what do they like and what do they not like? Who do they want to be? Who do they not want to be? And it's this process of practicing all those things in a really messy way to get them to adulthood, Mm -hmm. basically. And if what we're looking for as parents is just compliance and them doing and acting and believing exactly the way that we want them to, then what happens is later on when they get older and they get to be adults, then a lot of people hit a crisis point because they don't know who they are. They don't know what they believe and they don't know why they do the things that they do. And so they really have to kind of figure that out. And it's a much healthier thing to do. Mm-hmm. as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, as a teen, um, than it is as an adult. And I think with my experience, what I've seen, and I know you mentioned that, um, some of your audience probably has younger kids. Mm-hmm. I think one message that I really try to get out there is that the sooner you can figure out great ways to connect with your people, with your kiddos, right? the easier it's going to be later on because for middle schoolers, the, the groundwork that we're laying, that you're laying with your, um, with your 12 year old, is that right? 12 year old Mm -hmm. right now is you're, you're going to, you're playing the long game. You're going to see that pay off when they're 16, 17, 18, when things really big things are going on that you want them to feel like they can come and talk to you about. Mm -hmm. And you want to have that open relationship you are creating the soil for that right now, for that to grow. Yeah. Well, we're recording this in the middle of February and all months in February, my episodes have to do with connection. And so this is very timely, um, even though this is going to be coming out later. Um, So tell us a little bit about what's the diff, what are the differences in how to connect with a middle schooler versus when they're younger? um, And what are some ways that we can do that effectively. Okay. So uh, I was actually just 
thinking about this yesterday as I was preparing some material. So I think the really um, challenging part of connecting with your middle schooler is especially in, in those beginning months and years when this transition is happening with them is that you kind of have to be able to turn on a dime because, well, for instance, I can remember one of my kiddos whose favorite color was aqua, like from birth on. And I brought something home that was aqua and this child of mine was so upset that I didn't know that her favorite color was now like this rose gold. And how could I not know her? And how, you know, so just this, and I am like gobsmacked and thinking, what is going on here? So, so I think number one, really being able to pivot in and, and, and be very super flexible, um, and have a good sense of humor. (laughs) And, and then I would say what I think is the most magical connecting thing would be open-ended questions. So Mm -hmm. in that situation, and not that I did this because, you know, learning here. (laughs) So um, just saying, oh, wow, tell me more about that. Or um, what is it that you love about Rose Gold? Or, you know, something to kind of get them talking and a question that can't be yes or no. So, Mm -hmm. so that they at least have to think about it. And if you can get into that habit, of being able to respond with questions um, and be super curious, that is going to serve you well because in moments that come up where maybe your child has made a decision that is um, something that is perplexing to you and has maybe had some bad consequences, you know, or negative consequences for it, uh, being able to ask questions like, what would it look like to make a different decision in the future? Or help me understand um, how you got to this place, how you came to that decision, or, or even what is keeping you from, Hmm. you know, creating a study plan or, you know, so just those really open-ended curious questions that even if they don't answer, even if they kind of go off in a huff or, you know, argue, try to argue with you or whatever, their brains, because our brains are beautiful this way, their brains are going to work on answering that question. Mm-hmm. They can't help it. Like that's just how we're wired. So yes. they're at least thinking towards those things. And you have the added bonus of you're not telling them. So that's not throwing up a wall that they can beat their head against and kind of rebel against, if that makes sense. Cause there are kids. Um, I might've been one of them who here don't do as must do and vice versa. So, you know, that kind of contrarian, Mm-hmm. which kind of typifies some middle schoolers, uh, I would say a large yeah. majority. <laughs> now, I love what you're saying about the open-ended questions. I'm, I know that a lot of my listeners are thinking, well, I have to have the exact right question or, you know, I need, to, I need a list of questions to ask. And, and I just want to offer to anyone thinking that way that, you know, when you are genuinely curious, when you are open to seeing how this young person in front of you, how their life is going to unfold without any attachment to how they're going to turn out, right? Then you be, then you can open yourself to like, oh, I wonder what is going on here instead of, um, you know, judging whatever it is that is in front of you. Also, there was something else that you said. Oh, 
I talked about this in a, in a very early episode of mine about asking powerful questions. The kinds of questions that we ask, we have to make sure that we're asking the question that we want the answer to. So in other words, instead of saying, you know, I love your question of like, what, what's getting in the way of you doing X, Y, and Z versus why can't you ever do X, Y, and Z, right? Right. Because then their brain is going to go to all the reasons why they can't do it and they don't do it and all of that instead of what's in the way then opens them up to seeing something different. Right, right. And I will just throw this in there too. What I have learned is I try to stay away from the why because it, it seems to be, I guess it just gives a lot of the impression of judgments. Mm. So it's very judgment laced. And so being able to ask what or how um, tends to open up the discussion a, a lot better than, than mm. otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Okay. You mentioned earlier also about reading with your child and can you tell, talk more about that? Sure. Sure. So I think it would be lovely if it was like when our kids were, you know, were little and we would read to them at bedtime and, and that kind of thing. Um, please don't get that picture. I mean, that might be you <laughs> in your middle schooler, but I think for a lot of people, that's not what it looks like. So um, for me, reading with my kids means being parallel with them. And so what they're reading, I try to jump into and read and you really have to know your kid with this as far as how you go about it. With one of my kids, we um, we exchange books. Like he, he'll give me a book to read. I'll give him one to read. With my other one, um, I just try to leave things laying around because I know if I say, oh, you've got to read this book or this is such a great book, then it's off the list. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And, you know, I say, I say that tongue in cheek and, and laughing because my mom takes great delight in the fact that I have a child that is very much like I was. Yes. <laughs> yes. Up. So anyway, so, so real, and just also bringing it up in conversation, like, oh my gosh, I've read this book. Here's what it was talking about. And this is what really struck me, man, have you ever gone through something like that? So really using and, and the issues and topics and things that come up to talk about everyday issues. It might be like friendships or um, parent relationships. Like, oh my gosh, in this book, this parent did this. What would you do if I did that? Like that kind of thing. So, so it doesn't one, necessarily mean that they have to be reading the, the book. Right. And, okay. and I think because a, a response that I get a lot of times is, well, what if my kid's not a reader? Or I'm not yeah. a reader. Yeah. So I've really started focusing in my work on, it's not just books, it's mm-hmm. story. People are wired to respond to story. And there's even research that shows that when you are listening to a story or watching a story or reading a story, your brain, the centers in your brain that would be lit up if you were doing whatever it is you're observing, reading, whatever, are also lit up in your brain. So it's like you're experiencing these things along with the characters that you're following or the story that you're watching in a way that's different than if you were like looking at a PowerPoint presentation or whatever. That's a whole different part of your brain that's lit up. So with story, book, movie, songs, even I would say with lyrics, um, the 
capacity, the opportunity to connect with our kids using those things is limitless because you're not just sharing information, you're sharing the experience. Mm. And so I would say if your kid is not a reader, do not let that stop you from utilizing story. Because I know there are kids who are really into the lyrics and music of songs. There are kids who are really into like horror movies or things like that, where there's always going to be something that you can pull and talk about mm-hmm. from those sources. Okay. Connect with if that, I don't know if yeah. that answers. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my kids are very much into lyrics of songs and movies. And I mean, of course there's like YouTube stuff and TikTok Absolutely. and whatever, but yeah, yeah. But I'm sure that there's ways to incorporate that as well. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Well, and if you think about it, even TikTok videos have a story, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's something that's happened and, and it's great because you can laugh a lot of times with it, but maybe it was, is a great springboard for a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And the other, the other thing I was going to say is, um, my experience with my kids has been that I think their perception of what their dad and I are going to, how we're going to respond to something is so off from how we actually do and would respond and being able to talk about stuff in from books and movie stories or whatever gives them a better picture of how we might respond. Can you give an example? Um, I need to think of one that won't, um, <laughs> violate my kids' privacy. So I think I'll make one up if that's okay. So, um, so this has not happened. Let me just be very clear. Okay. Um, if one of my kids came home from a party where they had been drinking and they were drunk, I think their perception of how we would respond to that is much different than how we would actually respond. I think they would say probably that we would freak out and they would be in so much trouble. And and I think we would not respond that way at the ages they're at right now, especially being 18 and 20. I think we would um, sit down and talk, have a conversation with them. We would ask those open-ended questions. We would talk a lot about values and safety and, you know, those kinds of things, but it's, it would not be the freak out that they would have, you know, mm-hmm. that they thought that we would have. And I think that's something that we could easily talk about. <laughs> like if you're talking about like Netflix series or things like that, like we could easily, that could easily come up based on a lot of those. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Like if, if a family in the storyline, you know, freaks out Mm -hmm. and then you would say like, what do you think about that parent's reaction? How do you think I would respond? And you get into a conversation about that. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And then also on the flip side, as you're talking about things, you get a really good picture about your team's belief system. Mm, yeah. And their values and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, in fact, that's how the genesis of all of the work that I do right now happens when um, my daughter was 13. And that was the year 
that 13 Reasons Why, which is a Netflix, I can see in your face that you know exactly what I'm talking about. So I am a huge young adult book reader. That was one book that I had not ever read. And so when she asked to watch it, I'm like, sure, we can watch that together. And we got into like the third or fourth episode. And I was, I know I've used this word before in our conversation, but gobsmacked is the only thing that I could say because Here's the show that I'm watching with my 13-year-old where there is sexual assault, there is drinking, there is suicide, and it's all very graphically displayed. So I had to go through the thought process of, oh my gosh, do I stop watching? Like, no, I can't do that because that will totally shut her down and she'll be so mad. And it's not that I don't want her to be mad. It's that I don't want her to be exasperated with me and close off any future conversations. and. You know, if I really stop and think about it, these are things that come up for our 13 and 14 year old kids mm-hmm. in their real lives. And so do I want to shut it down or do I want to open the door for conversation? And so yeah. that's really what started this whole thing, because I felt like if I, someone who is very much integrated into the young adult, you know, fiction world felt this way, how much more would somebody who's not familiar with it at all feel? And, and then two, I feel like that a lot of times we are protecting, quote unquote, protecting our kids without really thinking about what it is that we're protecting them from, Mm. why we're protecting them from it and considering, would it be better for them as individuals to to walk through watching something, reading something or whatever that we might be a little leery of walking through it with them to help them gain those critical thinking skills about how to evaluate things and look at things rather than kind of hiding from it and isolating from it. And I'm a little bit passionate about that. I, you know, it is kind of the middle of February right now. And recently there's been a lot about book bannings and Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, book burnings in 2022. That's just it feels devastating to me. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I got on my soapbox. No, there. no. Go on. <laughs> so I, I guess my next question is, what do you see as some of the mistakes that parents make with this age group and what they could be doing differently? So I would say just kind of referring back to what I just said, overprotection which I made that mistake too, in a lot of ways. Um, So that would be the first one. The second one would be not treating middle schoolers with the same um, consideration and respect as you would another adult. And they're not adults. Like that's Mm -hmm. very clear. However, if you want your middle schooler to listen to you and to take what you have to say into consideration, you really want to be generously, not just actively, but generously listening to them. Like what you talked about earlier, like just having that insatiable curiosity for wanting to get to know them and getting to know who they're becoming. So if they say they don't like Aqua anymore, instead of, you don't like Aqua anymore, oh my gosh, you know, that kind of response saying, okay, great. I love that you are you know, that you have a new color that you like, or you don't like this food anymore. Oh, okay. Well, you know, 
This yeah. is what I made for dinner, but I would love your input for our meal plan for next week or, you know, that kind of thing. Like taking into account that, again, they change on the dime. And, and and one thing that helps you kind of check yourself the way you're talking to your kids is, would you say the same thing in the same way to a friend? Yes. Yes. Right? That's such a great question. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because I find that that's often a question that I ask them too. And so I need to be following it as well. So I've got to. Because if it sounds like it would be disrespectful to a friend, it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what we really want to be able to do is to model, train and reinforce our kids, the values with our kids of being respectful, of really listening to one another. and you know, all those things, the Mm -hmm. kindness and and that kind of thing. So, and, and again, and I like to see this too, like this isn't, this isn't like the list to go through and check off. This is the ideal that we're living, you know, leaning towards. And we've got to have a lot of grace with ourselves and with our kids along the way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So can we go back to the overprotection thing? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because that's something I actually struggle with too. I think it's so hard sometimes to know the balance of when to put your foot down and when to have limits versus let them explore. And I don't know if you have any. um, Yeah, I think this is a sticky one for all parents. I really do. And and I don't know that I did it well early on or even now for that matter. I just... Especially when it comes to technology, which we didn't grow up with. Right. It's like all new territory. And they're natives and we're aliens. Mm -hmm. Like we're foreigners in this world of of technology. So I would say two things. And that would be one, be in it with them. Right. And so this isn't about like, well, yeah, I'm just going to let you read that or watch that, you know, just kind of you're not willy nilly. This is an intentional thing, right? Mm-hmm. And two, you've got to know your kid. And so I would say I have, so my husband and I are very different as far as what we, it's not just what we enjoy, but what we can kind of tolerate watching. I am definitely, um, I don't like scary movies. I don't like super, you know, I, because I feel them like those parts of my brain where I'm experiencing it. I am experiencing it. I'm in it. I don't en- enjoy a lot of things because of that. Yeah, my I'm husband with you on is that. very much more like he's on the outside looking in and he's more of an observer. And so he has a higher tolerance for some things. So my son is older. He is more like I am. My daughter obviously is younger. He's more, she's more like my husband is. And so the things that we would kind of warn them off against or, or say, no, I don't know that that's the best thing had to do with her, who they are and how they, Mm. you know, take things in. Mm -hmm. So there might be something that I would, if I watched it, it would give me nightmares and bug me for a really long time. Whereas with my daughter, it wouldn't bug her at all. In fact, going back to the 13 reasons why, like weeks after we watched that, I would go back to it and go, man, I'm just really thinking about this part and how that must have affected. And my daughter's like, what are you even talking about? I don't even remember that. Like, mm, whereas yeah. my son would be the opposite. Like he would be where I was. Like he, yeah. it would, it would just seep into his 
soul, basically, not to be dramatic or anything. So really knowing your kid, you have to know how it's going to hit them and affect them. And then if they're still pushing to watch it, you watch it with them. You have all the conversations. You pause it and say, okay, this is one of those parts where I really feel like we need to, you know, process through this. Otherwise, you know, it might be like secondary trauma. Like that's how I feel a lot of times watching very graphic things, very scary things, very gruesome things. Um, I, yeah. Secondary trauma for me. Yeah. And I had that to way learn. Too. Yeah. And, and that's my knee jerk. And that's the place where I parented from until around the time my kids were in middle school, because that's when they kind of started to pull back and and I had to recognize that they were very different than I am in a lot of ways. And so we had to kind of navigate all of that differently. Yes. So, yes. So, right. So yeah, know, know your kids and then do it with them. And I would say this too, like going back to the band book things, I've been kind of laughing because a lot of the, the, some of the books that I've seen on these lists that are challenged books out there, kids probably wouldn't even know about them if it, they weren't on <sighs> These lists, some of them, like some of them are considered classics and all that kind of thing, but some of them are, are kind of salacious and gratuitous. And I would say with stuff like that, if your kid's super curious and really wants to read it, then you do read it aloud together or listen to the audio. And if if then they're like, "Eh, I don't want to do that with you. then there you go. So you know what I'm saying? So it's either there's something they really want to read it. And, you know, if they really do, then they'll do it with you or, or have the comment, even if it's parallel, again, they're reading, you're reading or watching or whatever. Those are uncomfortable conversations for kids sometimes. And not that you want to avoid uncomfortable, but they just need well, to And for adults, right. And right. that goes back to what you said in the beginning of like, you have to clean up your own thinking and, and emotions around dealing with your kids. Cause I know, I mean, I used to teach the health education to middle schoolers, right. Okay. And like the oh, parents would say you. to me, bless you. <laughs> and the parents would say to me, thank God you're doing it. Cause I don't want to have that conversation with my kids. And oh, so, this, my. so I would have kids who had never talked about sex or, or the body or any of that with their parents. And then others who of course, you know, had talked about it ad nauseum, but yes, it's like, these are very uncomfortable and you're the parent. Oh my gosh. So if, if, if this were a video podcast, yes. you would see like the dismay <laughs> and shock on my face because just to put this out there, if you're not talking about it with your kids, they're hearing it from, they're talking about it with somebody. So yes. And yes. we want and it better to, to hear it from you than from the internet or a friend who thinks they know what the heck is going on. Yeah. Right. Well, and here's the thing. I think that depends on what your end goal is, your long game is. And for me, my long game has been, I want my kids to be able to talk to me about anything Mm -hmm. and everything, period, full stop, like anything and everything without fear of judgment or punishment or, you know, any of those things. Mm -hmm. I just want us to be able to talk about it. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. And so if you're listening, right, we talked about this to the podcast that came out today actually was about creating emotional safety. So that's, you know, talking about being open to all of their feelings and also creating that safety for yourself and um, just being able to 
be uncomfortable because it, it is, you know, I mean, like think back to when you were a middle schooler, did you really want to be talking about that stuff with your parents? Probably not, <laughs> but you know, so we feel a little uncomfortable, but, it, and we can get through that. Absolutely. We can yeah. absolutely get through it. And you know what? You can even say to your middle schooler, you know what? I'm so glad we're talking about this. I'm super uncomfortable. I'm sure you are too, but we're going to get through this together. Like this is what we do. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Be vulnerable. That's going to bring you closer. Yes. Good. Good. Okay. Anything else that you want to share or that we, we didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about? The one thing that I would love to say, as far as being able to communicate with your kids, I think the most important thing in all of this is that we're going to mess up badly sometimes. And so are our middle schoolers. And it's not about if we've messed up or not. It's about how we come back together and how we make the repair afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like that is, that's something I've really tried to drill into my own kids and just try to talk to everyone about, because I think sometimes we have these expectations that, you know, if we're a good family, if we're a healthy family, we're not going to be arguing. We're not going to make mistakes. We're not going to blow up at our kids, you know, all those things, which is so not true. It's going to happen. And the more that we can model what it looks like to come back together in a healthy way by apologizing and um, listening and kind of thrashing through all the messiness of it, um, the better we're going to be. Because every time you do that, you're just reinforcing that there's nothing I can say or do that's going to uh, push my parent away. There's nothing I can say or do that's going to make them love me more, love me less. I love it. I agree. Well, if this was a very fun episode, I'm I'm so happy that you reached out and that we're here together. Tell and us how can we find you and tell us what you do. Do you work with families? So work yes. with kids? Tell us. <laughs> yeah. So actually right now you can find me on my podcast that's called the In the Middle of It Podcast with Amy Kelly. And then I'm on all the socials. So, well, not all of them. I'm on Facebook and Instagram mostly, and then on Pinterest as well. And um, there you can find me as the ish girl, T-H-E-I-S-H-G-I-R-L. And that's kind of my branding to me. An ish girl is one who has humorous grace with herself when realizing she's messed up or flaked out again. And so that's kind of the place that I'm coming from with my parenting and just my view on life. And so, yeah, so I'm at theishgirl.com is my website. And then on um, Facebook, it's just the ish girl on Instagram. I'm at the ish girl reads. And then I also have an, in the middle of a podcast. Yes. Okay. Um, I will link to all of that in the show notes. Right. And then as far as working with people, I am um, within the next month or two, I am going to be opening up a course where I talk about what's developmentally appropriate and how to navigate that and kind of what our knee-jerk reaction is in some of those moments, and then maybe a better way to respond in those moments so that you're building connection versus, you know, not. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then a membership as well, where it's kind of like a monthly thing. And I'm super excited because over the summer, I am going to be doing a couple of book clubs with some current young adult fiction books. So Okay. Very good. 
So I will link to all of your info in the show notes and people will definitely go check you out. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh my gosh, this has been such a fun conversation, Pam. Thank you so much. You're welcome. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're ready to feel calmer, more confident, and more at peace in your family and life, I invite you to sign up for a free consultation with me to learn about how my coaching can help you achieve the exact life you want. You'll take the concepts and tools I share in the podcast and apply them to your own life. And as your coach, I'll be there to support you every step of the way. Go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini and sign up now.